it be amazing if that's the only thing that came out of our mouths? That would be astonishing to me, <laughs> about me. <clears throat> well, Lord, I just thank you for this morning and giving us the privilege of gathering here in this place. And Lord, it is our heart's desire that we would become a people of praise. Praise rather than maybe looking around at each other and questioning or jabbing or speaking ill as I can sometimes do, criticizing people for the color of their skin or their stature, what part of the world they come from. God, there's so much that would change if I would become a man of praise. It would issue from a heart that's filled with faith, filled with your word and overflowing with your spirit and love for other people. God, I'm asking that in this year, 2016, that you would make me and that you would make each one of us a person and a people of praise. Fill us with faith. Fill us with your very presence unto that end, that end and the accomplishment of all of your purposes. For I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. And everybody said together, Amen. I don't know if you could hear that. A prophetic word uh, by one whom we respect and know, um, John Gonzalez. Thank you, John, for, for that word. God, that you would make us a people of, of praise, of thanksgiving. Uh, well, I want to uh, share this morning that we are embarking on a new experience. A journey together and the journey is really called 2016 <laughs> that's the journey that we're on that's the time period that we have um, maybe not all of us have all of that time period because we never know but we're on the journey setting our face to be a people who are so enamored and filled and overflowing with the presence of Jesus that we actually look and speak and think and then act differently. Can anybody say amen to that? Amen. It's okay to say amen in church. Amen. That's, uh, yes. 
Well, this morning, um, I have uh, sensed God's calling me to invite you to uh, join me in a fast. And most of you are probably aware of that because we have most of your email addresses and I've sent out that information. If you've not heard about it, A, you weren't here last week where I uh, simply... Uh, tipped us off that we were starting a fast today, uh, or we don't have your email address so that we couldn't follow up with you, and uh, so therefore if this is new information, number one, it's okay. <laughs> we're never late. Somebody came in this morning and said, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. I said, brother, you're right on time. Why are we so anxious about everything? Like when I, remember a few weeks ago, I forgot what time the service started and came at 10.30. <laughs> God said, you're right on time. Now that's not to excuse being foolish. I, you know, I understand that. But um, God gives us a, a challenge and a calling to be His people in the midst of life. And how many of you know life is messy? Life happens. That should be a bumper sticker. Life just happens. And life cannot be controlled. Have all of you understood that that is the fact? And because life can't be controlled, each time we fail uh, to control life and the people around us and the circumstances and all the things that we try to control, it's simply an invitation to, for Jesus, from Jesus to say, Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon yourself and learn of me. Because my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And every time I hear those words, I, I go, wow. Why am I so consumed with so many other things? How I look or where I work or live or what I drive. Now, we need to be responsible people, but I digress. <laughs> I have called us, sensing that God has given us an invitation to participate in a Daniel fast. And I want to share just a little bit about that and what it is and what it is not, uh, and then to look at a couple of other scriptures in addition uh, to Daniel. But it's an invitation to participate in a, in a partial fast, um, and it's a spiritual invitation by choice. Um, someone said, can you drink herbal tea? I said, you know, well, it, this isn't about legalism. You know, that's the former. That's what we've been talking about, fear and structure and ritual and, you know, gee, can I, you know, uh, ask Jesus. I had coffee this morning. Now, I'm titrating down to one cup because I think God wants me to give it up. And not just for 21 days, by the way, but that's me. You ask Him. Uh, so it's, a, it's an invitation um, to join together by invitation of choice. It's like these high ropes courses. You know that sometimes people go on. Anybody been on one of those high ropes courses? You all know what a high ropes course is? Yeah, some of, you, some of you do. You belt into a harness and you do things that challenge you to go beyond your fears. 
and you're in a harness and you're buckled in and you're, you know, 30 feet up in the air and you've got this cable you're walking on, uh, but you're tethered to one above you. you if, if you fall, and most of the time you will, you're not going to hurt yourself. Well, but it's a, it's a challenge by choice. And so it is with the invitation to do a partial fast, the Daniel fast. It's a challenge by choice. And some of you will, will go, I don't think I can do that. And you know what? Uh, you need to feel free not to do that because those who participate aren't more spiritual than those who don't or can't. So don't you dare let the enemy chirp and mutter at you saying you're just, you're just, won't, you're just not spiritual. Now maybe you're heart of heart and that's a different issue. And not everybody, I'm, you know, some people just go, I don't want to do what Jesus tells me. That's a different issue. But never get under the compulsion of, of everybody's doing this and therefore I've got to do what they're doing. No, it's an invitation. Now, th- let me turn with me, if you will, to the book of Daniel. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Daniel, even where it's located, um, find Isaiah and then I think it is Jeremiah, and they're kind of in the middle, and then Ezekiel, I think it is, and then probably the Lamentations, and then comes Daniel. So if you find the major prophets, Isaiah, Ezekiel, you'll find Daniel shortly thereafter. And I want to look at a couple of texts with you in uh, Daniel chapter 1, just to give a little bit of background. And as you're turning there, and as I'm getting ready to share just a few comments, um, the book of Daniel bridges... 70, the 70-year 70 period of the Babylonian captivity. Now, if you're not familiar with that concept, the people of God uh, made a choice to disobey God, and in their choosing to disobey Him, in a number of different ways, um, God eventually had to discipline them. And the discipline was through the hand of the Babylonians, and they were carried off from Jerusalem into Babylon for some 70 years. And this book of Daniel then speaks prophetically at a number of levels, uh, to a number of levels, even for the church, the people of God. Uh, But it spans this 70-year period. And uh, what we find in the first chapter here is that in the verse 1, in the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, he's a historical king, of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up to Jerusalem and besieged it. And in the besiegement of Jerusalem, they, the Babylonians, carried off all of the high-ranking people to Babylon. And some of those people that they carried off were the noble class and those who could benefit the the Chaldean, the the Babylonian uh, culture. Now, in the midst of then... Uh, living in the, in, in, uh, in the midst of the people of God, living now in the midst of enemy territory. Hello? In the midst of the people of God, now living in the midst of Babylon, the enemy territory, God has made principles that are brought to us out of the book of Daniel. And uh, one of these principles I'm about to share with you. Um, Daniel and his friends, who were renamed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Abednego, Abednego, whatever. Were carried off and renamed in order to learn the Chaldean culture and the literature. And they were chosen because of their probably royal or um, high standing in Jerusalem, in Israel, 
uh, to become part of King Nebuchadnezzar's palace and court. Well, you don't just become part of King Nebuchadnezzar's palace. You have to be refined in those things that are important to him, the protocols of the king. Uh, So what we read in verse 5 of Daniel 1 is that the king appointed for them, Daniel and his friends, and others who were to go into the program of being discipled by the king of Babylon, he appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies. Everybody say king's delicacies. King's delicacies. Now we don't know what they were, but we do know it went on and it said, and the wine which he himself, he the king, drank for three years of training for them so that at the end of that three-year period of time they might serve the king. So these young men... Daniel and his friends and others along with them who are unnamed were brought into the school of the king, governed by the eunuchs, those who were given charge over that particular um, uh, educational option. And a couple things were required. They would eat what the the king ate. They would drink what the king drank. And they would learn the literature and the ways of the Chaldeans because they were being... Uh, rewired, if you will, retrained about Babylon. Now, as you read through chapter uh, 1 here, you'll find that um, not only uh, did, were they called to eat his food, uh, but in fact the king uh, wanted to train their minds, maybe control their minds about the literature and ways of the Babylonians. Now, uh, Daniel, verse 8, says, He proposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicacies. So he came up with a plan to go to the head person, the eunuch who was over their training, and ask if they could only eat certain foods. Not the king's delicacies and the king's wine, but certain foods. Well, let's look at that for just a moment. Um, Daniel, verse 8, proposed in his heart not to be defiled by the king's delicacies. And if you look at verse 12, I'm just summarizing here. Daniel said, please test your servants for ten days and, and let them be given only... And if you're reading the King James Version, let us be given pulse. What in the world's that? Porridge? Or soup? Well, if you're reading the New King James or other versions, it usually says vegetables. Uh, let, let us be given uh, vegetables, pulse, to, be, to eat and water to drink. And then see if our appearance is just as good as the other guys that are eating the king's delicacies and the king's wine and, and all that kind of stuff. So um, what here is that uh, this pulse... If you do a little word study on it, maybe you have a strong concordance of the Bible, you can look up the word pulse, if it's P-U-L-S-E, and you'll find that it has to do with sowing. Not sowing, but sowing seed. And in fact, what the Hebrew word for pulse is, is everything that comes from seed. So what they were what they were asking is, we don't want to eat the king's delicacies and drink his wine, 
We don't want to be defiled by it. Give us everything that comes from seed to eat. Now think with me, what comes from seeds? Fruits. Everything that bears fruit and has the seed. Grain products. Whole grains. Fruits. uh, All vegetables. Of all of the trees of the garden you can eat, The world's filled with things that the king didn't eat. Fruits and vegetables and whole grains uh, and beans and legumes and all that stuff and nuts and seeds. And and it's, it's amazing what Daniel was saying, let us eat. Now just to um, tie the dots together for just a moment, it might be interesting to some of you. If you turn back to the book of Genesis, chapter 1, um, I'd like to read verses 27 and 20, no, 29 and 30. This was before the fall. This was before rebellion entered in. This was before uh, sin encompassed, tainted, and misdirected the human body, soul, and spirit. The, the the human framework. This was before the fall. And uh, verse 29, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the whole earth, and every tree whose fruit yields, there's the word again, seed, to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air, to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given to them every green herb for food, and it was so. And God, after the sixth day, and then that allowance to them, God saw everything that He made, and indeed, it was very good. Now, in case you're wondering when the king's delicacies entered in, just historically. By my reading of the Scripture, and I want you to test this, there's no indication that human beings ate anything but what I've just described. Whole grains, uh, whole fruits of every size, color, dimension, uh, vegetables, Um, beans and legumes and nuts and seeds for 900 years until after the flood and God brought Noah through the flood. I'm not making a theological case here for what you should eat today. What I'm making a case for is that Daniel in chapter 1 is being led back to the covenant of, of creation when he said to the eunuchs, give us pulse. Everything that comes from seed and then test us and see how we, we fare. And in fact, you'll find that uh, they fared uh, very well. And, and uh, let me simply say a couple things about the fast then to which uh, I believe God would invite many of you to participate in. Um, the, the, the word for fast or the word for um, fast in the Hebrew 
It means to cover the one's mouth. In the Greek, it means to abstain from certain foods. From food. So in the Hebrew and the Greek, fast means do something, or more accurately, don't do something, with food. Uh, so that doesn't mean that God won't call some of us to fast other things at times. Um, music. I'm just picking some things. Uh, or the Internet. Or I saw Stephen Jobs' special last night. I don't know if anybody saw it on, on Apple, the documentary on Stephen Jobs. Anybody see that? I was the only one that watched television. A couple of people. <laughs> and it wasn't on. Well, you, you know, what, what all of our connections have done is that they've connected us to people and isolated us at the very same time. So I'm saying that to simply say, maybe God would call some of you to fast the Internet. In addition to covering your mouth related to certain things. Uh, one of our elders said, God's, you know, uh, encouraged me at times to fast the news. It's hard for praise to come out of the heart when we fill our minds with so many things that pull us in every direction, is the point I'm making here. So, so fasting is, is always as accompanied. It's not just about food. And if you think it is, you miss the point. Fasting is always about God's higher spiritual purposes in our life. It's about seeking God with our whole heart. And I think that the mystery in fasting, always accompanied with the spiritual purposes of God and prayer, uh, like Acts 16, when they were ministering to the Lord and praying and fasting, the Spirit of God said to them. See, fasting and prayer and ministering to the Lord, praise and worship to the Lord is central to how God has created us. And sometimes we need to cover the mouth or abstain from certain things that pull us in so many directions to give our hearts to what is central. Worship and praise and allowing God to fully inhabit us as His people. That's what God is after. Not whether we give up this or whether we give up that. That fasting simply reminds us of the central thing. To be hungry for Him. So, how is our relationship with Jesus today really? That's the question. Not to condemn any of us. The question's meant for me, as well as you. You see? Because God is interested in our relationship. So Daniel said, please give us pulse. And in fact, that's what they were given and they were tested and it was found that in fact uh, they fared extremely well. And it appears to me that probably for the next three years, that's what they ate. Well, where do they get their protein? <laughs> From whole grains, whole vegetables, fruit, beans, legumes, nuts and seeds. That's what we just read. And they fared extremely well. Now, okay, uh, biblical fasting then has to do with, with food, but it can include um, other things. The definition of fasting, restricting food for spiritual purpose to set more time apart from God. 
Um, and we need to really keep in mind that we never fast to gain God's approval um, because we're already approved in Jesus. You see, the finished work of the cross has nothing to do with me fasting. It has to do with what Jesus did. Jesus died on a cross. He bled His blood out in order that that would become an atoning sacrifice so that now God would see me through that blood and no longer count my sins against me, but the righteousness of Jesus has been credited to my account. Isn't that a good deal? See, that's what redemption does. And because of the redemption of Jesus, you are already blessed. You are already forgiven. You are already accepted in the Beloved. So fasting has nothing to do with trying to be accepted by Jesus. However, it might uh, narrow your focus back on Him. And I think that may be its central uh, purpose. Uh, So that the most important issue related to the Daniel fast uh, is um, the most is spending additional time opening your heart to the Spirit of Jesus so that He can have His way in your life. Now, it's a partial fast, and uh, it is in fact dealing with issues of our heart. That's what fasting is about. It's offering yourself totally to God afresh. Um, It's denying the king's delicacies, closing the mouth at some level uh, in order to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. Every time a craving, here's what I think happens, every time a craving comes up, oh man, I want a brownie. Or cake. Or, you know, I'm having this, do you know sugar? I've just learned this. Sugar hits the same part of your brain as heroin hits. That's why it's so hard for me to quit eating sweets. You know what I'm saying? You see, and so every time we have a craving, it's a reminder that what we need to be craving is Jesus. That's what we need to be craving because Jesus said, I am the way. Oh, I am the truth. And I am your life. See, it's the life of Jesus that we're really talking about here. And if we miss the point and get off on, well, can I eat this or can I eat that? Well, sure, there should be some guidelines. That should be between you and Jesus. Uh, But we miss the point of what God's trying to do. The most important issue that He's trying to uncover is where we are in our hearts with Him. So, listening to the Spirit of God, letting God recalibrate your spiritual man. I said yesterday in the funeral that we had for Doug and Beth's beloved Sarah, that we really, we are a spirit. And we have a soul, cognition and thinking and feeling and all that stuff. And we live in a body. And, and God doesn't um, accentuate as more important one over the other in this realm. Because without the body, your spirit has no way, no way to move around. Your soul 
that invisible part of, of us that thinks and chooses and, and, and then chooses to praise has no vehicle to express that upon the earth. Uh, so your body is really important. Quick illustration, my wife broke her hand in India and when she returned had to have a surgery and she had a little plate and a couple of pins put in it and her little pinky kind of was kind of crooked. Now it's, it's starting to work a little bit better. But you know how much that little pinky gives her grief? It affects her whole body. Sometimes it affects her how she feels. And, and, you know, and in other words, God has integrated this whole thing called our humanness. And he's made it to function a, a certain way. Well, again, I digress. Um, but, but it's important to understand how we work together in fulfilling the purposes of God for your life and for mine. Now, um, what I would recommend is that... Well, let me just tag a couple of things. If we have your email address, I've already sent out to you um, what the fast is and... And if you didn't get it, and uh, you know, there's some how to prepare for the fast, some things you might want to eat, and some things you might not want to eat, some common questions about uh, the Daniel fast. And on the back, I've put um, some resources, uh, some web pages, uh, some books you might want to read. Some, you know, you might want to get some ideas. It's not just about eating a salad until for the next three weeks, although that'd be a good thing for most of us. You'd eat a big salad every day, or you know, would be a great start because if you fill up on that, guess what? You're not going to probably go toward those other things that work us harm. Uh, but anyway, that's been sent to you, and if you didn't get it, there are copies of it out in our gathering place and up front, and also um, over here. You can pick those up in case you didn't. We didn't have your email address. And another thing, it's just a resource. Real quickly, is a whole bunch of recipes because you really can cook. It's quite amazing. I know it's not chicken wings, and I see Joseph over there. <laughs> uh, but those are available over here uh, as well. And that's for you. But the real purpose of the Daniel fast is a recalibration of our heart uh, and in order to bring us into a greater hunger for Jesus. Now, uh, you have to find out what really fits you. Now, I want to take that invitation to participate in the Daniel fast at whatever level you feel like God says this is for you. And uh, I want to accentuate it, accent it, by saying find out what works for you. Now why do I say that? Well, a lot of times we try to fit in other people's shoes. Or to use the illustration I'm about to share with you, um, sometimes we try to fit in other people's armor. And if you turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, I know um, John Rubel just taught through 1 Samuel and he's now on 2 Samuel, but if you turn to um, 1 Samuel chapter 17, I just want to hit a couple of verses here and then make some application uh, to it. Uh, David who becomes eventually king, but this was young David, the shepherd boy at this point in time. Um, he's out in the field and he's uh, tending his sheep and his father uh, calls him home to take some food to his brothers who were fighting against the, the Philistines along with the armies of God. Basically, that's 
sort of the background. And David goes to the front line and takes the food. And when he gets there, there's this big, braggadocious, huge guy by the name of Goliath. You know the story. And Goliath is just belching out all kinds of defilement against the people of God and the armies of God. And, you know, send your greatest warrior out here and I'll soft feed his flesh to the birdie and blah, blah. You know. And, and, that, and David heard it. And all of Israel was fearful and shaking in their boots. Even King Saul. And David said, let me go after him. Well, evidently, they took him at his word and they said, nobody else will. Okay, you go. So, uh, look with me for just a moment at verse 37. and Let's start at 36. Your servant has killed, your servant David, has killed both lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them seeing he has defiled the armies of the living God. Now here we have faith versus fear. Fear is on the army of God, God, and David steps up. Verse 37, Moreover, David said, The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, He'll deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. The Saul said to then David, Go, and the Lord was with him. Uh, well, at that point, uh, verse 38, so Saul then clothed David with his own armor. Uh, and he put a bronze helmet on his head and he clothed him with his own chain mail, coat of mail. And David fastened the sword around his, uh, his waist, the armor, and, and he tried to walk. But guess what? He couldn't walk for he had not tested them. And they were too big. He was in somebody else's armor and chain mail and somebody else's sword and David couldn't move in it. Have you ever been in somebody else's armor and you couldn't move? You wonder why? You've got to find what fits you. You see, we are the people of God. We're no longer slaves to fear. We are His children. And as children, we've got to find what works for me. Everybody says together, me. You see, that's what we're after here. So David uh, then... Uh, he took his staff, verse 40, in his hand, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. And he put them in his little shepherd's bag, presumably tied around his waist, in a pouch which he had with him, and his sling was in his hand. Now, it's in a slingshot. This is a sling. This, is a, this can be a formidable weapon if you're good with it. Um, and his sling was in his hand, and he drew near to the giant. We won't have time to read all about it, but this was a big dude. He had a big spear. I think the, the, the point of his spear was, was some eight or nine pounds. Yeah, I mean, this was, this was a big guy just defiling the armies of God. And you remember then uh, what happened. Let's look at verse uh, 49. Then David put out his hand or put his hand into the bag, facing now the giant, he takes out of his little bag a smooth stone. Let's read it and what it says. Verse 49, uh, and he slung it. Watch. It's... He slung the sling, and it struck the Philistine in the forehead so that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell dead on his face. 
Somebody say amen. Now, why do I share that story? God wants you to find in this fast what fits you. You can't ride on somebody else's coattail. You can't walk in somebody else's shoes. You can't clothe yourself in somebody else's armor. What I have done then, uh, and I encourage you to consider doing, is find your five stones in these next three weeks. Now, what do I mean by that? What stones should I pick up? Find five Scriptures in the Word of God that aren't for everybody else, but they're yours. Because if we understand the purpose of the Word of God, it is offensive primarily, but it is also defensive. And so find five Scriptures in the written Word of God that God would simply say, these, this one, is for you. Uh, so, why would we do that? Because each one of you are fighting giants. It sounds good to read about David and Goliath, but each one of you, as with me, have our giants that you're facing this year, 2016. You need to describe what those giants are for you. I sort of started this morning. What are those places of fear? That might be one of the giants that you could begin to journal. Uh, so find out what's keeping you up at night. And then I give you some ideas. It may be issues related to fear. It may be a broken relationship. What's stirring in your mind and captivating your heart? Um, it could be a disease diagnosis. I've had one of those in the last 18 months. Severe. And so it may be a diagnosis that you have. That's a giant in your life. And it's, it keeps roaring and, and, and belching out slander against you, the people of God. Uh, it might be the loss of a loved one recently. Uh, or the fear of a loss of a loved one. It may be the giant of just facing the future. It might be anxiety and worry about what you see around you. Everybody has a giant or more. It might be aging. It, it, it might be um, the condition of the church at large. It might be about the church here in Wilmington. It might be about Myrtle Grove. You see, there are giants that each one of us are fighting. So if you isolate what are your fears and what are those things that you will do battle with this year, then you go to the brook. You find your five stones. You go to the living water and say, God, give me the weaponry needed for this journey that we're on. Because it's not going to work to fit in everybody else's armor. Now let me share with you some of this is open kimono time, so I'll be vulnerable and, and share a little bit about what my giants are. I struggle with fear and anxiety about the future. Nobody would ever know that because I put on a good face most of the time. But there is a measure of fear and anxiety about the future, particularly as it relates to Myrtle Grove. Will we lose our relevancy or have we already lost it? And what will that mean for us going forward? Uh, some of my giants are 
we've done it so often a certain way, can we even dare to trust Jesus to do something different? You've probably already heard we're considering, and in fact we've decided to go back to two services. We did that in December. And yet the session wisely last Thursday evening said, let's pray and let's fast on that decision. Not that anybody's against it. Well, some of you might be. Um, But we're not against it, going back to two services. But what we are fearful about is that we'll simply knee-jerk. You know, that's when you hit the knee. and you know That we will simply do something quickly because we've already done it. Remember the children of Israel when they left Egypt? They were in the wilderness and God had given them manna to eat. You know, and they had to pick it up outside every day. It was only good for one day. And they finally just got tired of manna, which translates from the Hebrew, what is it? Who wouldn't get tired of what is it? (laughs) I'd get tired of what is it. (laughs) And then they began to murmur. Do you remember how it was in Egypt, the garlics and the leeks that we had? See, one of my giants is, is fear that somehow my will will be more important than Jesus' will. And I see that on many of us. I've come to the place believing God doesn't care much about my will. But He cares a whole whale of a lot about what is His. And if we as a church can't get over that hump, we will not exist as a church because we will have ceased to be the church of the living God, the firstborn from the dead. So we're praying and we're fasting about those two services. We're open to doing two, and if we do, we'll do them as well as God gives us the grace to do those services well. But that's what, those are one of my, those are some of my giants. There are some more. We're looking at succession planning. What in the world's that? That means Steve's going to be 65 years old in August. I'm not looking to retire, but what I'm recognizing and that you need to also recognize is that we must transition. We must transition to the next generation. And that will require of those of us who are older to do things a little differently. That's, that's one of my giants. But, but, but let me tell you some of my stuff. i got other giants. You know, will we, will we uh, grow or will we go and will we, will we change? Will we become as focused on people who are not yet here who need to hear the Gospel or just satisfying those who are already present? You see, the Gospel has an imperative tied with it in Matthew 28, and it begins with the word go. It doesn't start with stay. It's go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all things. Can we make that transition? Those are one of my giants. Now let me tell you about some of my stones. My stones for 2016, one of which is Hebrews 11. Now you need to find your own. Don't take my stones. 
Although you can if God says this is your stone too. But one of my stones is Hebrews 11.6 that says, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he who comes to God must believe that He is and that He's the rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I read the Bible that says God is on my side. God is on your side. The question is, will we get on His side? That's the only question. The only question. Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Luke chapter 1, verse 37 is another one of my stones. And that is, all things are possible with God that came from Mary. Luke 1, 37, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Sometimes things just look to me, and I know to you, utterly impossible through the natural eye. But guess what? God's not called us to live according to what we see. Because the just shall live by what? By what? By faith. And faith is simply the substance of things not seen. It's the evidence of what is not yet. You see, and God will require of each one of us a measure of faith in 2016. I said that to my leadership team this past Wednesday. This is going to be a year of great faith. Great faith will be required. That's one of my stones. For with God nothing is impossible. And another one is Isaiah 26.3. For me, and it says this, for thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You see, if I let my mind begin to ramble and go and become distracted by who thinks what, you know, we all got that problem, right? People around us, their expectations. Put this armor on. Take this sword. Take my shoes. Let's find God's ammunition. Let's find what God wants for you because your destiny is in the balance. Your future is at the crossroads. What God wants to accomplish in this city is at the fork of the road. The question is, will we get on what God... Now, I have no presupposition what that looks like. You didn't understand that. I'm simply saying, let's begin to fast and pray and ask Jesus, what are my giants? That's you. What are my stones? That's you. And how can I begin to wield those weapons to defeat my giants in 2016? Invitation to fast. I know we hate fasting. I do too. Here's a little aside. Just encouragement as we end. For those who statistically who have said, I want to do the Daniel fast. Pastor Jim said something last week, and I don't even know if he remembers saying it. He said, you know, New Year, he preached the first sermon of 2016, and he said, he was talking about New Year's resolutions. Do you remember what he said? Come on, how many were here? Stick your hands up. Five of you. That's good. No. (laughs) What he said is, what is the number one New Year's resolution on the hearts of people in America? And everybody said together... I'd like to lose some weight. Why? Because we're eating the king's delicacies and it's killing us. That's just the truth. The Daniel fast for those who do it, for those who 
have grace on them to do it. Uh, On the average, lose 17 pounds in 21 days. You say, can you prove that? Because 18 months ago, God put me on one for my heart condition. Most of you are aware of that. I have serious coronary artery disease, and I've chosen not to do the bypass. Not that I'm against them. I've chosen not to go angioplasty and all that stuff, but to treat my disease with a whole foods, plant-based, whole grains, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, cooked and raw, beans and legumes, nuts and seeds. It's called in the Hebrew, pulse. And 60 pounds later, I stand before you. You might not like what you see, but see, it's, it's not about you. <laughs> it's what God's called me to do. So I'm focusing on my giants, and I'm asking you to focus on yours. I'm asking you to find five stones from the river, commit them to memory, stand on them, speak them, to declare them. God, You said nothing would be impossible for me this year. Nothing! Because I've taken that Word and I've made it my own. You said You would keep me in perfect peace. God, things look like they're falling apart. But You said You would keep me in perfect peace if my mind were fixed upon you. Let's pray together. I want some of you to come with me back here and get around my brother Dennis. Can you do that? Come on right here. Come on, some of you can come jump up here. Let's pray for this, my brother. Father, I thank you for all that you're doing in us in this year. Lord, thank you for Dennis and thank you for the fact that he's a faithful man. And Lord, he's been through a lot and so have many of us here in this room. But God, I thank you that you are the healer of our diseases and that you would keep each of us in perfect peace when our minds are fixed upon you. God, we speak healing in this house. We speak revival. I speak revival in this house. God, I speak change that would birth your heart afresh in this house. And God, we make a covenant today to declare your word and not our own. God, thank you for the calling focus our lives and recalibrate them afresh on the spirit of Jesus God we keep saying that you have plans for this house and destiny and I believe in fact you do and God this year I'm joining with your people to cry out that that destiny and purpose would begin to be manifested for your glory and not for our own let's stand Some of our ministry team, if you'd make yourself and or just sprinkle yourselves through the congregation, I want to end with this song, I'm No Longer a Slave. And if that's true for you, I simply want you to declare it in whatever way is appropriate for you. You might just in your heart go, 
worship for a moment. Can we do that? And then we'll flip out. And I'm no longer a slave to fear. touch today for these men and women just to begin to make your way up here and say pray for me about A, B, C, whatever it is. Have a wonderful day today in Jesus.